hey, we're really glad that you are here today or wherever you are. We're glad you're there. So let's pray. Jesus, we're grateful for you. We love you. We ask, Lord, that you just would work and move in and through your word and through your spirit. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, what a week, huh? What a week. Lots going on in our world, in our culture. Um, lots of things that I, there's lots of things that I can like have answers for, right? I can be like, okay, I've done this long enough. We can have a conversation about X, Y, Z thing. There's some things that are just like, wow, we don't know what's going to happen. We know that God's in control. And so when we had talked about after uh, the last series, I really felt this idea of we're going to start to be able to start connecting again in the next couple weeks. We're going to have a men's night and a women's night and a young adults night, socially distanced and safe. So don't worry about that. Um, and this idea of getting kind of back together again. And, and so as we talked about that, and I thought about that and prayed about that, I really felt like there were some things that God wanted to say. And then as all these things unleashed on the world or became very clear of what's happening, uh, it's really a timely message. I hope that speaks to your heart because it's been speaking to mine. So Acts chapter 10 is the, is the story we're going to read. Acts chapter 10. So if you're in the Bible app, you can open it up, or if you have an actual old school Bible that has pages and it makes that sound. Remember that? You know that Bible sound? That's like only, the only book on earth that sounds like that is the Bible sound when you open it. I kind of like that sound. It's soothing to my soul. Um, so we're going to be in this series called Together. And so over the next month, you're going to hear not just from me, but from some other people as we talk about how do we do better at being together. Okay? One of the th- reasons why we are seeing what we're seeing is that we haven't done a very good job of working and living and being together with people that maybe are different than us, right? And so what we've done is we've kind of just, we've talked about this over the last several weeks. We've become individuals. This is my life. This is my perspective. This is my world. And if you want to be in my bubble, you can, but you have to match my life, my perspective, and my rules, okay? And that's not at all what the church is like. If you look on the, on the slide on the screen, it's those kind of intersecting circles. And I really like that idea of togetherness. As I've been reading and thinking about the, the church, it's really not supposed to be one circle everyone fits in it. Okay? It's really not supposed to be that we're this, this almost communal, everyone thinks, everyone looks, everyone acts, everyone talks the same all the time. It's really not supposed to be that way. The body of Christ is supposed to be this moving of Christ's body with different gifts, with different perspectives. And so in those three circles, you see that people can have their own perspectives, their own cultures, their own backgrounds, but the thing that intersects us all is the life and love of Jesus. And so we can, we can be connected to anyone with any type of perspective, any side of the aisle, because the central part is the life and heart of Jesus. And we can, we can centralize togetherness around that. Those are good words. You're welcome. So we're going to read this story, which I think is incredibly timely to write what's happening in our culture right now, but also to where we're going to be going as a church over the next couple months. So Acts chapter 10, and I'm reading out of the message version this week because it's such a, it reads so well and it's such a, it's way more story driven today than verse driven. So this is what's happening. So the early church is birthed. There's Paul has been accepted Christ, and he becomes, or he saw, becomes Paul, and now there's Peter and Paul, and there's, now the book of Acts goes back and forth. Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul. Not like fighting, but like, you know, in story form. So Acts chapter 10, there was a man named Cornelius who lived in Caesarea. He was a captain of the Italian guard that was stationed there. He was a thoroughly good man 
And he led everyone in his house, in his house, to live worshipfully before God, and was always helping people in need, and had a habit of prayer. So there's this man, and we don't know any of his background, but that he was a high-ranking official from the, this Italian unit that was stationed in Caesarea. So Caesarea is on the coast in the Mediterranean Sea. I've been there. It's gorgeously beautiful. And and uh, so he was stationed there because he had, was a high-ranking official, but he was a good man, a godly man. So even though he wasn't part of the Jewish people, he had had this experience with the living God, and he was trying to do his best to pray and treat people well like we all should. Okay, at one o'clock, on one day at about three o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. An angel of God, as real as his next-door neighbor, came in and said this, Cornelius, Cornelius stared hard, wondering if he was seeing things. I would do the same. Then he said, what do you want, sir? Which is so polite and great. Um, the angel said, your prayers and your neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. Here's what I want you to do. Send men to Joppa to get Simon, the one everyone calls Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is down by the sea. So Cornelius has this vision. He's in Caesarea. And he says, I want you to go find this guy named Peter, who we know Peter, the disciple of Jesus, the apostle. I want you to go find him. He's, at Joppa. He's in Joppa. I've been to Joppa. It's also a gorgeous place. Joppa is the town where uh, Jonah tries to run away from instead of going to Nineveh. So J Jonah's here. He go to Nineveh, God says, and then Jonah goes to Joppa, which is as far as you can go without falling into the ocean. So that's where Peter is there. And so he's, he tells his friends, okay, I want you to go to Joppa, find Peter, and bring him back to me. Verse 9. The next day, as the three travelers were approaching the town, Peter went out on the balcony to pray. It was about noon, and Peter got hungry and started thinking about lunch. I get this. This is really speaking to my heart right now. While lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the skies open, and everything that looked and something that looked like a huge blanket lowered by ropes on it had four corners settled on the ground. Every kind of animal and reptile and bird you can think of was on it. Then a voice said, go to it, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, oh no, Lord, I have never so much as tasted food that was not kosher or clean. The voice came in a second time. If God says it's okay, it's okay. This happened three times, and then the blanket was pulled back up into the sky. Okay, so now, now the story gets weird, right? Peter's praying, and something like a blanket. So if you've ever held like a blanket and then kind of dropped it so it unfolds, it kind of comes and unfolds down from heaven on four sides. And on the blanket was every single animal you can think of. Right? And so part of the Jewish tradition and part of the law of Moses said that there are certain animals you can eat and certain animals you can't eat. Certain animals were considered clean and certain were considered unclean. That's why kosher meals, if you live in a Jewish community or have Jewish friends, they, they eat kosher. Traditional, more orthodox Jews do that. And they, they eat only specific things that haven't touched unclean animals. That was a big thing. So when you read the Old Testament, you might be confused because it might look like God's like, no, don't be around any of those people. But the, part of the, 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 the key part of the Old Testament is that God was developing and establishing that these were his people. And 
his people were to proclaim his name and show that he is good and that his people, he wanted as best as they could not to fall into idolatry and not to fall into things that would make them not represent him. Okay, this is pre-Jesus, right? So it was all sacrificial and everything was trying to cover sin and keep people clean. But post-Christ, we know that Christ's blood covers and cleanses and makes us right and clean. So Peter had lived his whole life. He's probably in his 30s right now, maybe his 40s. He's lived his whole life, and he's never eaten anything that's unclean. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, and it's probably Jesus' voice, sends down every single animal in this picture and says, now I want you to kill and eat. And he's like, no way, I'm not doing that. I cannot do that, Lord, because the law of Moses states, this is what I should do. And Jesus says, listen, and he says it in the other translation, he says, whatever I have made clean is clean. He says, don't tell me what's right and what's wrong, what's clean and unclean. I am Jesus. I am God. I am the one who declares and defines that. So he says, now I want you to kill and eat. And this would have been like a total mind blow. Like, no, 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 no. Think about like some of your biggest convictions. It'd be like if God said, like, let's say that I love, let's say that God came and said I had to be a Packer fan. Oh my gosh, please don't let it happen. But let's say that it happened. Right? I'm like, but Lord, I cannot do anything so terrible and heinous like that. Plus, the word heinous is awesome, I just decided. Right? It'd be like, it'd be like something so out of the ordinary. Like, no, I can't do that. And what is God saying to Peter here? He's saying, you always have to be open to what Jesus is saying. You always have to be open. You cannot let your tradition or your background dictate exactly what God wants to do in the future. Because sometimes God will come and tell you, hey, I want you to do this now. And you're like, whoa, 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 Lord, that's not in my wheelhouse. That's not part of my theology. That's not part of my cultural expression. That's not part of what I understand to be true. And the Holy Spirit sometimes will say, yeah, I know, but you're thinking too small. So I want you to think beyond what you think and beyond what you see and beyond what you've learned. Always be open to what Jesus would have for you. In this next season, as we see the world and the culture at crazy odds with each other, as we see that that there is is a driving force of evil that is from the enemy who's trying to drive us further and further apart, and you might have a perspective that you've always had, and the Holy Spirit is saying to you and to me today, he's like, hey, I want you to be open. I want you to be open to the things that you maybe weren't open to. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into sin. He'll never lead you into more confusion. He'll never lead you into disunity. But Jesus is doing something in us right now to say, I want you to be open to what I have to say. You might not understand it like you'll see in a second. But we always have to be open to the Holy Spirit's prompting. And you and I know this. You can't let your tradition, you can't let your theology, you can't let your upbringing, define what God may want to do in you next. Because he may want to do something that isn't discrediting that, but might be expanding that. And that's how people should work. You and I should be growing. See, when my wife and I were first married, I hated to do projects. And we had this list of projects, and I was, she could, she, there's nothing she could do to make me want to do a project. 
as beautiful as she is, right? And, and so I never wanted to do projects, but then something happened around the quarantine time, and I was like, I want to do some projects. Let's get some projects done, right? And what's happening is that I'm evolving as a person. The Holy Spirit is opening my life to see other things, to ha- understand more perspective, to see things that I maybe didn't see, to enjoy things I didn't see before. We always joke about things that we post in the, you know, 10 years ago, you post something, you're like, oh, that's so bad. If you ever go back to your old posts, like, that's so cringy. And you should kind of cringe because that means you're growing. That means you're developing as a person. That means that you thought one way, but now you're expanding the way you think. And so Jesus is telling Peter, hey, don't tell me what's unclean. I'm the one who defines it. Now go and eat every single kind of animal. And he's like, that's a brain explosion. Verse 17. As Peter, puzzled, sat there, trying to figure out what it all meant, the men that were sent by Cornelius showed up at the front door. God will always provide for you a way to understand. And he will oftentimes use other people. I don't know what this means. Oh, there's a knock at the door. Quit bugging me. I'm trying to figure out what it means. Maybe the knock on the door is the thing that you need to understand what you need to go through, what God's doing in you. They called in and asking if there was Simon, also known as Peter, staying there. And Peter, lost in thought, didn't hear them. So the spirit whispered to him, hey, idiot. No, just kidding. Three men are knocking. That's how the Lord talks to me. Three men were knocking at the door looking for you. Get down there and go with them. Don't ask questions. I sent them to you. I sent them to get you. And then Peter went downstairs and said to the men, I think that I am the man you were looking for. What's up? I'm not sure if that's the direct translation, but that's how it's written. So Peter brings them into their house. They actually have a good time. And then in the morning, they go up to Caesarea. Talking things over, they went into the house. Where can, so, so now they're in Caesarea. So they talk to the officials. They sleep. They get up. They go to Caesarea. Now they're coming to the man who had the vision. So talking things over, they went into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. See, Cornelius had had been a God-fearing person, but he didn't quite understand what was going on. So he brought everyone, his whole family, he brought other officials, he brought his friends, and, and they're sitting in this house waiting for Peter to show up. And he says this, uh, where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come, and Peter addressed them. This is what Peter said, You know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. Jews just don't do this, sit and relax with people of another race. But God has shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came, no questions asked, but now I'd like to know why you had sent for me. So Peter gets to the house and he sees the people in the room waiting. And they, and they honor him. They actually get down and worship him. And he's like, don't worship me, worship God, right? And then he realizes, oh, this is what's happening. Oh, okay. See, Every kind of animal coming down from heaven, every, on, on four sides, representing every corner of the earth, all people are going to be in heaven. All people are part of this thing called God's family. And there is no right of anyone to say, this is unclean, or this one isn't right, or this is right. Because God defines it, and he even showed, showed Peter every corner of the earth, every tribe and tongue, and every nation is part of God's heavenly plan. It's part of God's story 
of the humanity that he created and the love that he has given. And he says, this is highly irregular. See, for a Jew to go into a Gentile or a non-Jewish home, because you don't know what's going on in there. Is there idols? Is there whatever? It was this huge deal. So they would, like, literally wouldn't go into non-Jewish homes. I couldn't, in Israel today, there's high Orthodox Jews who, when they walk through other quarters of Jerusalem that aren't the Jewish quarter, they will literally put their hands down like this because they can't even look upon. Because they, they are living in this old covenant. And Peter's like, you know, this is really strange, but I see now what you're saying, Lord. I saw every single kind, and that represents every single person on this earth. Whether my perspective of them is good or bad, they're all a part of this idea of God's body and God's family. And just as God brought them to heaven, God will, they will all be in heaven, and we will all be in heaven together. So you and I, we have to see people through that lens. You and I, we have to see people through God's eyes. We have to, as people that represent the God who sent his son to die for the human race, we have to love and honor and show dignity and respect to all people. Just as Peter said, no, no, I can't, I can't deal with that, that type of person. I can't deal with this person. I can't, no, I don't do, do with that. It's like, no, every, I have made all people part of this body, part of this family. And so you and I have to see people through God's eyes. We have to see that Jesus came to die, not just for the Jewish person, but for the Gentile. And by the way, the Gentile is all of us. We were in the minority. We were like not in. And then God's like, no, no, no. Everyone is in. That means you cannot let your politics or your policy or your tradition dictate the way you see people. The definition of the people you see is defined by, above, by the heavens above, is defined by the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that died for you and for me. And he died for every person. That means in the church, there is no room. There is no room for racism. There is no room for exclusivity. There is no room for sexism. There is no room for elitism, which is real popular right now. I know better, and if you weren't as enlightened as me. Because when you see someone through God's eyes, you see the person by which Jesus died for. And as a follower of Jesus, there is no room in your heart for anything but love towards the people that you come into contact with, even your enemy. And that might be someone from another culture or race. It might be someone who's really religious. Sometimes I struggle with that one. But we have to see each other through God's eyes. See, Peter is sitting there. He's like, oh, I see what's happening. My whole worldview is changing. My whole perspective is changing. It's not me and them. It is now becoming us. So our policy does not dictate the way we see people. Our socioeconomic structure does not dictate how we see people as the church. You and I, individually, because we are accountable to Jesus individually, right? And then collectively as his body. We have the obligation to see people through the eyes that God sees on every side of every aisle. 
So there's no room for racism. There's no room for you're in, you're out. There's no room to judge. There's no room for I'm better than you and you're less than me. If anything, Jesus is like, yeah, we, are, we should be the least so that we can lift everyone else up. So then Cornelius, he says this, or he goes and he tells the story. He says, all right, yeah. So, so Peter says, why are you here? Why am I here? Why did you ask me to come here? And, and Peter says, and Cornelius says, oh, the angel came and he said, I want you to go get Peter. And then Peter came here and then Peter's excited, right? This is how it's, how it's written. It says, Peter fairly exploded with good news, right? See, Peter decided that his tradition was not going to dictate what the Spirit of God was doing today. That his, the way he grew up and the, what he was taught was not going to dictate what God was doing in the future. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is huge. This isn't, he exploded with the good news. It's God's own truth, he says. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do what he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel through Christ Jesus, everything is being put together again. Well, He's doing it everywhere, among everyone. See, Peter's having this worldview change. He's like, oh my gosh, the redemption that came from Jesus is the redemption for the whole world, for every single person. And so Peter's worldview is just blown up. And you and I, we might need our worldview to be blown up a little bit. He realized that like, his tradition, what he felt like he learned and came from, was, was about like this. And now God had just opened it up to, the, to everyone. He's like, man, God, God's doing a work in every single person. God's doing a work in every single community. We have to, I, I got to get on board on this. This is exciting. It's like, have you ever seen those 3D arts? I think Steph and I were talking about this today. You and I... You ever see 3D art where you're like, you look here, then you go to the side, you're like, oh, well, that's like an elephant. Oh, now it's like a hippo. What's going on, right? Um, if you don't get that, look it up. You'll find something that helps you understand this visual. But there's, it's like I see something a certain way, and I bring to the table in my own, whatever I, however I grew up, whatever I understand the culture to be like, and I see it through those eyes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what God is doing in his church, what God is doing, I think, to help us become leaders in this culture is he's saying, I want you to go and broaden your, I want you to go stand along a brother or a sister that sees things a different way, that's experienced life a different way, that's experienced stuff that you have not experienced and sees things that you have not experienced. And instead of having an attitude or an idea that don't no, come and think the way I think because that's the right way, we say, no, I'm going to broaden my worldview because there's lots of perspective that I need to understand before I talk. And there's lots of things that I have to listen to and hear before I post and create a, make a stand on something. I, had, I read something today. It's like, maybe before you take a stand, you should sit. You should think. You should listen. So I, maybe, maybe you have to shift your worldview. Maybe instead of watching one news station, only you watch a couple. Maybe, maybe instead of just talking to people that look and act and think and smell like you, you talk to someone who's 
looks and acts and thinks different than you. And God will show you, just like he's showing Peter, there is another perspective. And what that will do is it'll help you love other people like Jesus does. Because until you can see the way people see, you cannot love the way Jesus loves. See, Jesus sees almost, he sees all sides, and he sees, he's seen your paths, he's seen your future. And we have to broaden our worldview, broaden our perspective. And here's why you're afraid of that. You're afraid whenever something that you hang on to starts to get shaky. I think the reason why Christians, followers of Jesus, stall in their growth is because they hang on to things that the Lord never asked them to hang on to. I had this experience in 1987, and I have to recreate that. Or this is the way I think, and if something changes, it's going to change my comfort, my stability, and what's that going to do? Those are not kingdom attributes. What the Holy Spirit is saying to us is we have to broaden the way we see the world, broaden the perspective. If you're on one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle, you, as a follower of Jesus, should not be a polarizing figure. You should understand and learn from other people from different aspects of things. Because if you don't, you have the danger to become like Peter. I, cannot, I can't do that. I can't go down that road. And on the other side of that road for Peter was this excitement and joy of learning and welcoming and becoming a together unit with people that were not like him. God shows no favoritism. You have to broaden your worldview. And this is what happens when you do that. So I know you're afraid. What if I, what if I, uh, you know, what will my mom and dad think? What will my grandparents think? What will this mean for my children? You know what the best thing you can do for your kids is live so courageously and so radically loving to other people. That'll just speak all sorts of volumes compared to trying to control the way they think and, and act. So this is the byproduct of what's happening. This is what happens in verse 44. No sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came, in to, came on upon the listeners. The believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out to the outsider, in quotation marks, which I love, the non-Jew. But there it was. They heard them speaking in tongues, hearing the praises of God. Then Peter said this, Do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? And they received the Holy Spirit exactly as we did. Hearing no objections, he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked Peter to stay for a couple days. So as Peter opened up his heart to what Jesus was doing. As he broadened his worldview, as he saw people through God's eyes, and he welcomed them into his life, the Holy Spirit worked in a profound way. And in that moment, in that moment, you and I were welcomed into the body of Christ. You and I were welcomed as the outsider to share in the blessings of God, to share in the good news of Jesus, to share in the, in the community and the brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and the new identity, we're invited to share in that. See, this is what I think God wants us to do as followers of Jesus who are filled with the Holy Spirit. That he wants to be like Peter and he wants you to become what I call a bridge builder. He wants you to become a bridge builder. 
while the culture wants to polarize you one way or the other, all or nothing. The Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 I want you to build a bridge because I care way more about the people than I do the policy. I care way more about the individual than I care about the platform. And people of Jesus are called, I believe, to be bridge builders. You guys can come up. I like how Peter is like, let's just get everyone, let's just baptize everybody. What else should we do? Let's just do it all. This is exciting. See, there's joy on the other side of this. And so my challenge for you and my challenge for me is that, that we would become people of God who see that, you know what? No one is left out of the glory and goodness of God and his grace. And I think the Holy Spirit is asking us in our culture and in our world, especially right now, how can we build a bridge? See, if you've ever seen like a, a crazy Russian river, there's like no way, no way from one side or the other. There's no way to find unity. There's no find, way to find a connection. There's no way to find common ground. But when you build a bridge, you can cross anything and you can get to the other side. And you can see and you can hear and you can learn. Many years ago, I had a friend and, and we were praying in this, praying in this uh, time and, and God gave him like this perspective. Um, he was in a strained relationship and, and God gave him this visual and, I, and this came into my mind this week and I really feel like it's for us today. And the visual is this. It, it was that he's on one side and this, this person's on the other side and the Lord has given him a pile of lumber, nails and a hammer and he said, if you, wanna, if you build the bridge, I'm going to make this better. I'm going to mend this relationship. But you have to build it. I've given you everything you need. And I really believe that us as right now in this culture, in this world, in the craziness that it is, that the Lord has given us lumber, hammer, and nails. He says, what if we were known not for our sides, but for the way we united people, where we found common language and we could understand each other's perspective? And what if we became bridge builders so I could understand my enemy more and that maybe my enemy would become my friend? Maybe my enemy would become my brother or my sister. There's a couple of things I saw this week that were bridge building moments. I saw a group of protesters walking through the street and they were singing that song, Waymaker. And they were just praising the Lord as they walked through their city. They're saying, no, no, we're not gonna let evil divide us. We're gonna allow God's truth and God's peace and the great uniter, which is Jesus, unite us. And I saw protesters and police on each side and they, everyone just kneeled down to, to show that they were not going to stand for violence. And then they got up and they started to hug each other. Man, what a bridge that was built. Did that fix every issue? No. Did it justify everything that happened? No. But that is not your job. And that is not my job. Your job is to be an ambassador for Jesus, to be a light and a salt person to the world around you. Your job is to build a bridge to the person you disagree with and find some unity in the person because you are called and I am called to see people through the eyes of Jesus and Jesus died for that person. 
And that person deserves the life and love of Jesus in them. So I feel like the Lord has given you lumber and hammers and nails and has said, my son, my daughter, would you build a bridge? Just like Peter didn't understand what God was doing. And they saw it. Oh, that's what you're doing. You are changing the whole thing. So how that looks for you, I don't know. But the Lord's given it to you. He has put relationships in your life that maybe you need to go and reconcile. Maybe you need to go and ask someone their perspective. Maybe you have to understand the other side so that you can maybe have a little bit more humility in your heart about maybe the things you don't know and understand. So I want to pray as we sing this song. And then we're going to take communion. And I want to pray just that God would help us to be bridge builders in this season. In what we post, in what we, what we platform, and how, what we take a stand for, are we being a bridge builder? Are we being someone who's seeing other perspectives? Are we being an ambassador and life giver? Are we making our enemy our brother? Or are we just furthering the divide? And as people of Jesus, there is no room for that. There is no room for that. And God will not honor that because he is a uniter. Because Jesus died for everyone. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move and work that only you can do, that we would become bridge builders in our community, in our culture, that we would see further further unity in the midst of chaos in the midst of evil in the midst of violence God that your spirit would work and move in profound ways whatever we see on the news is all the bad which there's lots of it we know that you are doing a work in and through the people in each of these cities God and you do a work in us help us Lord to be bridge builders help us to our worldview to expand Lord help us to know and see people the way you do and Lord Jesus God help us to be open to what you would say now as we sing this.